Welcome, lovely listeners, to the Happily Ever Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Dodaro, and I'm thrilled to have you with me here today. Whether you're a first-time investor, a seasoned pro, or somewhere in between, you're in the right place. So buckle up and let's dive into the fascinating world of real estate. Hello, everyone. I just want to thank you all for joining me today. We're going to cover a number of topics and... The first topic I want to discuss is just, I just want to thank all of the returning listeners and the new listeners. It's, it's actually pretty overwhelming uh, to see the numbers go up week after week. It's actually very humbling to see that people actually enjoy the podcast and enjoy the value that they're getting out of it. I, I hope you're getting value out of it. That's that's all this was created for, is just to give you a little bit of insight into the everyday world of real estate, uh, some investing tips, and for you to just get something out of it. I try to keep the podcasts uh, short, not to take up too much of your day, just kind of listen in, get get what you need to get, and then and, and move on. So thank you to all of the recurring listeners and any new ones out there as well. So we are definitely into 2024. It's mid-February and the market has been surprisingly or not surprisingly active. In November and December, virtually nothing was going on in real estate. It actually looked like the world was ending and that everything was sort of frozen and people were just waiting for the Bank of Canada to say anything really in terms of rate uh, decreases or increases or just anything with the economy. It was sort of frozen around the holidays uh, and in November for sure. But as the calendar sort of changed over to January, it's almost as if things had changed in the marketplace when really nothing had. Rates have not changed. The messaging from the Bank of Canada has not changed. The mindset for certain segments of the population has changed. The demographic that I'm talking about is the first time home buyers sentiment has changed. And I'm working with three first time buyers right now. And they all say to me, they are panicked to find something quickly because the fear of prices rising, the fear of missing out again, is, is too much to digest and they, they really want to get ahead of it. So for the whole month of January and the last two weeks of February, I have been out day after day on the hunt for these three couples. Well, two specifically, one of them sort of uh, casually looking. But from our first offer that we placed in, I think, the second week of January till now, We've been outbid and by as many as like 39, 40 offers. On our first offering, we found a house. We're like, okay. So we, we knew it was busy. We knew, you know, we would go to the property. We would see the, you know, there would be an agent leaving as we're entering. And then after us, there'd be another one. So we knew it was a revolving door. Fine. What we didn't expect is to have 40 offers on the first house that we offered on. And actually, out of those 40 offers, we were in fifth place according to the agent, and they actually wanted to work with us. We didn't uh, ultimately win that house because we were uh, probably around $30,000 short. But looking back on that one house that we did lose uh, by 30000 since then, now, now it's been about a month, prices in that first-time buyer 
call it a million to a million two range, the prices have just skyrocketed in that range. Okay. So one couple specifically missed out on getting the house. They've missed out on four houses now. The other couple's missed out on two. And the other couple is still uh, waking up from from uh, from their sleep because they're, the reality is, is that prices in this segment, it's the, it's the toughest, it's the toughest segment of the market. The first time buyer million to million two range is the toughest range to compete in. It's highly competitive and you have to have a little extra money to put down. I'll give you an example. We put a bid on a house uh, in Stouffville and we were like neck and neck with the front run. There's only four offers and they gave us a chance to, to improve. And this one offer blew everyone out of the water and they paid $70,000 over and above our offer and just ruined the market in one fell swoop because now the next how because these are subdivision houses they're cookie cutter right the only differences between the houses are that some have a finished basement you know maybe a condition of the home but they're pretty well same square footage same size lots so now the next property that comes up they're price it based on this last sale so it you know in one fell swoop you know my client has now just been priced right out of that market and so that's what they were worried about in early January. But where were all of these people in November and December? I was banging on the door telling clients, buy, 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 buy in November, buy in December, because once we get to January, things are going to change in that marketplace. And they have, and we're seeing it. And now we're getting a lot of disappointed you know, would be home buyers, and and now they're scrambling to look in different areas at different price points. Looking in, uh, you know, they have to basically drive until they qualify. So they had a small window of opportunity to to capture and to get a house in that marketplace, but now it's gone, and and you know now we're we're re we're having like team meetings every week to see what we can do to um, secure a property, you know, quickly because. And we haven't even hit the spring market. Once we hit the spring market, it's it's. I suspect in that segment of the market, things will just, uh, you know, go go crazy and go haywire. So what we're experiencing is uh, a K-shaped recovery. And for those who don't know, a K-shaped recovery is is basically means that some parts of the economy are experiencing like strong growth, while others continue to decline. And that's in the marketplace and globally. But as we sort of we can apply the K-shaped recovery to real estate as well because the condo market, you know, really take the, uh, t- taken a beating over the last year. And so if there was one segment of the market that was falling, it would be, it would be the condos. And then this first-time buyer space, call it, you know, 800 to, to you know, 1.2, 1.3, that market is just on fire. The other parts of the market which are not doing as well are – and maybe a little bit more stagnant is like the two and a half million dollar range. Some of those houses are sitting. Some of the semis downtown are sitting. You know, a million uh, six seven range. Um, but if it's priced right, it does move because there are buyers out there. The, the demand is there, and we see it right. The demand, the calls are up on all of my listings. I'm getting a ton of calls. Um, the showings are up, and the interest. The the the, the want to buy real estate is still there. Anecdotally, and take this for what it's worth, but 
I don't know. When I go to the big malls, you know, I was at Yorkdale. Again, I, I bring Yorkdale up again, but it is busy. And people have bags in their hands, shopping bags, right? You're not just going there to buy a coffee and walk around. Maybe there are some who do it, but it's really, really busy. And usually after the holidays, it's a slower period of, you know, retail sales are, are down. But just walking around, you're seeing people with shopping bags and the mall is jammed. The parking lot is jammed. Restaurants are jammed. Um, you still can't get a table in the city of Toronto without a couple weeks notice. So there are segments of the population that are still humming along and doing well and others that are not. Interesting to see what happens going into 2024 as we get further along in the year, but January's been active. Personally, I've done four deals in January and typically January is a slow month. So if, if January is any indication of what's to come for the rest of the year, I would say it's going to be a very busy year, or at least, you know, the first half will be busy. I don't know, but I mean, it might fall into traditional patterns, historical patterns where, you know, um, you have a, a busy spring market and then the summer sort of, um, there's a lull and then fall picks up again. But this is an interesting year. This is an election year. I know it's a United States election, but it is um, have a it does have a great impact on what we do here in our economy. So I would say I think it's be a busy first half of the year. Summer there might be a little lull, and then you know from September till December, I think there will be a little bit of pause and a little pullback because of the uncertainty of what's to come with the with the U.S. election. And then after that's done and we elect and, and they elect a new president, I think we will have some clarity and some certainty moving forward. And then the market will fully recover in 2025. Okay, so that brings us to the FAQ part of the show or the fuck part of the show. This is where we take questions that are sent in to us via email or Instagram or Facebook or wherever you find us on the podcast. But I have three questions sent in to me and I'm, let's go through them one by one. And the first question is, is Toronto and the GTA headed for a haves versus the haves not economy? Haves versus have not economy. I think I understand what they're trying to say. Yes, it has always been that way. It's always been the haves versus the have-nots, and in times of turbulence with the economy, any recessionary time or um, uh, downturn in the economy, the haves always double down and have always come out even richer and wealthier than they went going into that slow period or even recessionary period. So, uh, yes, it's always been that way, and the rich as that old saying goes, the rich get richer and the poor get poor. And and it's a, it's a shame, but it's the truth. So unless we start investing our money into real estate, into stocks, you know, we have to get away from savings cuz savings is just it's just asinine to keep money in the bank. You're just you're you're losing money. You need to put it into something. Stocks, real estate. Those are the two things I'd be putting it into could put it into mortgages, private mortgages, but you need to invest that money to get a good return on it. And, and it's not enough to get 2%, 3% return. You have to get 
you know, in excess of, you know, six to 10% return. So you need to find a vehicle that's going to get you that kind of return. So the answer short answer is yes. Okay. Next question. I have a mortgage coming due at the end of April. Should I go variable or should I do a fixed? Um, good question. I see right now the five-year fixed term is under 5%. I will caution you though, Many economists, many realtors, many people at the Bank of Canada are predicting a uh, rate cut for, well, first they had predicted April and then they pushed it back to, they pushed it back to June, but I'm, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure that they're going to do it in June. I feel like the economy, the inflation is very sticky. And I think this is, we are in the higher for longer period. And I don't think this is going to turn around quickly. Even if, and that's a big if, they reduce rates by, you know, a quarter point. Does that really change anything, you know, uh, to, to the average borrower? Does it change their life? Does it change their payments? Negligible. I don't know. I would probably lean towards the fixed, you know, it, it, at this point of the game, do a two-year fixed maybe a three-year fix if you want to sleep at night. But you have to look at it as a whole. Like, do you really think the rates are going to drop that significantly in the next year? Do you think they're going to have a full percentage point drop? I, I think it's all smoke and mirrors. And I believe that there is even a possibility that the rates could increase because we uh, have a spending problem here in Canada and I feel like around the world, some economies are not doing so great. And even the U.S. Um, were, were predicting rate drops and they're not even doing it yet. So, and they're a bit higher than we are. So you know, I would do probably a fixed. And that's just my, my conservative nature, but I'd probably still lean on a, on a two-year fix. You could probably get a, a, a decent deal there, but... Again, even if they do reduce, you're not like it's not going to be, you know, a huge drop that you're going to miss out on the savings. But you know, at least you're going to have some some certainty over the rate possible rate increases, or if the rates stay the same, you're going to sort of benefit from that. So I do, I probably do a two year at at this point, maybe a three year uh, right now. Okay, and so the third question is, it's an interesting one. I've been hearing about Tressa rules and open bidding. Can you elaborate on that? Can you elaborate on that? Okay, so the new Tressa rules, specifically when it relates to open bidding, gives the seller the right to disclose the offers that he received on the property. Now, this is new. And a lot of agents don't understand it. And most agents that I have dealt with in the past uh, month and a half since the rules were uh, put in place, nothing has changed. Zero. So I'll give you an example. So in the last six weeks, I've been in on probably around 12 offers I've, I've submitted in the last uh, six weeks. And not one of them was an open bid process. Most realtors don't even understand what they need to do in this new world. So they're navigating it just as we all are trying to figure it out. The sellers have the option to 
disclose what the bids are. But when you have 40 offers or 30 offers, or even five offers, when the winning bid is like 50 or 70 or $100,000 more than the next bid, why would you do that? To summarize, nobody is doing the open bids, not one seller. I feel like it's all for nothing. It's a big smoke and mirrors to make people feel good. I don't know what it's for, but basically no one's using it. No one's doing open bidding and uh, case closed as far as I can tell. Unless the market changes and maybe, you know, uh, we will... If they gave the option to the buyer, like there is an option to the buyer. Buyer can say, hey, I'm not going to submit my offer unless the bids are open. You think the seller's going to care? If the seller has 10 offers on the table and you don't want to be a part of it, you'll just say, see you later. Uh, I got nine other offers to work with. I'll sell my property. Don't worry about it. So that doesn't really scare the sellers at all. So, uh, you know, it's just, I don't know. I just feel like a lot to do about nothing, but that's just me. Hope I answered that question. So um, I just wanted to touch on what's been happening with my syndicate. So at the beginning of the year or end of the year last year, I can't remember, I predicted that the investors would come back to the market, dip their toes in early. And then once they got comfortable with with what was happening in the marketplace and the confidence came back in the real estate market, they would start to buy, you know, that, that segment of the pop of, of the marketplace would come back. So, um, I didn't think it would be this quick, but my condo syndicate has, uh, we purchased something. So, uh, my, my group, my syndicate of condo investor, my first time condo investors saw value in some of the units they were seeing. The numbers made sense. The down payment made sense. And we executed and we actually secured a property right downtown Toronto. And the rent is actually, um, at a level where they don't need 50% down. You know, I, the belief was always we needed 50% down. That's what we had in our pro forma. We needed 50% down to break even or cash flow uh, at that level. But the rents, when we pro forma it, we actually will break even at 35% down. Yes, 35% down. So, so what does that mean? We got the property at a really good price. And the rent is high enough that things will be covered. Maintenance fee is low. And so congratulations to, to, to that syndicate group. They made their first purchase. And after we made that first purchase, we had a little toast. We went out, we had a little toast. But they we actually started talking this. And one of the uh, people in the group said, when are we doing the next one? Because they ran the numbers. It was such a great deal for them. That they said to me, let's let's when are we doing the next one? Let's let's hit the ground running. Let's start looking for another one. So, um, congratulations to you, and I will be leasing up this property very very soon. Yeah, so that's a good success story for them, and I see it also in 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 my other syndicate groups as well. Um, investors are coming back. It's just a matter of time. The window of opportunity is closing. So the smart buyers bought from September to December, January, and now February, things are starting to change. There are still good opportunities. I think there still will be good opportunities, you know, probably for the next three, four months. But after that, the window will kind of, I think it'll be closed at that point. We'll see what happens. But 
you know, you got to move quickly in these circumstances. So uh, congratulations to, to you guys on, on the purchase well done. And I'd like to end the podcast with a quote, as I always like to. And this quote comes from John Stuart Mill. And it reads, landlords grow rich in their sleep. Landlords grow rich in their sleep by John Stuart Mill. That is so powerful. I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to let you think on that, but it is so powerful, that quote. Well, there you have it, folks. Another episode of Happily Ever Investor Podcast is in the books. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you found value in what we had discussed and want to dive deeper into the world of real estate investing, don't forget to hit the subscribe button on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, take care, keep those investment dreams alive, and let's catch up again soon. Happy investing. Thank you.